you have your Bible with you, you can go to Mark chapter 6. There's a, a couple different places in the Gospels that we could go to look at this uh, same story. And unlike the story that we heard from the Jesus Storybook Bible, that kind of takes uh, all of them and amalgamates them into one, we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30, I believe, of which there, you'll find there's no little boy with the five fish. We don't get to learn about the little boy today, but that's okay. Uh, what we will focus on is, is something that didn't go the way the disciples had planned. Has anyone ever had something in their life that didn't go the way you had planned it? Two weeks ago, I was sitting in my couch or on my chair watching the Packers play another team uh, that happens to be still playing and is going to play tonight. And you could say that things didn't go the way that I anticipated them going. Here you have an MVP quarterback. Oh, man, but they went and they lost their fourth straight NFC title that they've been in. Maybe not going the way I planned. And that's pretty basic. There's other times where things don't go maybe the way we plan. Like we schedule out our week in a certain way, planning to do things at a certain time, and then when you get there, something else comes up and you have to adjust, you have to shift. Or maybe it's something else that don't, didn't go according to your plan. You had heard that there was this big project at your employer, and, and your plan in your mind was that you were going to get that big project, but it happens to go to someone else. Or maybe in your life you've had it where you felt like you've done most of the work on something and yet you didn't get any of the credit. That's generally the way group projects go in college, I hear. One person does a lot of the work sometimes and yet everyone gets the credit. That doesn't happen in Randy's classes though. Uh, right? Sometimes things don't happen the way you anticipated it. You know, there's a show that I like to watch uh, from time to time. Well, it used to have three hosts. It was called Top Gear, and those three hosts have since gone somewhere else. But I liked watching it because things would usually not go the way that they had planned. They'd have these races, and the whole show was to show how great cars were, right? how wonderful and how more power is great and, you know, all these types of things. But then they'd have these times where they'd have these races, like between some souped-up Toyota truck and a dog sled team, or uh, a little mini car and a marathon runner. And what you'd find is that it wasn't always the car that would win. They had this great anticipation of the car being what, what won, and yet it didn't go as they planned because the marathon runner was able to traverse through rush hour traffic a lot easier than a small vehicle. Or the, the dogs in the sled were able to drive across the Arctic of Canada easier than some truck with huge tires. And what we witness in Mark chapter 6 is that things didn't go according to the disciples and Jesus' plan. 
let's take a look and maybe you'll see what I'm getting at. Starting at verse 30, Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all of the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed on saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came up to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we going to go spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Just before this passage, Jesus had sent all the disciples out two by two to go into the, the countryside, into the villages, and, and, and to basically continue Jesus' work of ministry, to, to meet with people and, and anoint the sick people, to, to, to cast out evil spirits, uh, to preach the, the good news of repentance and reconciliation with God. And the disciples went out, and we don't know how long they were out, but they went out and then they came back to Jesus. And Jesus says, all right, it's time for us to go to a solitary place. It's time to go for us to go to a quiet place. It didn't go there. We can go to that verse 31. We'll see if it stays there. A quiet place and get some rest. Oftentimes, Jesus would take his, his disciples into the wilderness to, to take them to those those places that are out of the ordinary, not by all the big towns and the big cities, to, to get away and to be alone with his people, a more desolate place, a wilderness place. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He says, let's go by yourself. Don't take anyone else with you, and we'll go here together. And so they get in the boat, and they start traveling to a more desolate, quiet place. Except the problem, the crowd didn't get the memo. 
Jesus had gained so much popularity and people knew who he was and wanted to be with him that they would relentlessly follow him wherever they would go. And this sets up this race between a boat and some running people. And Jesus, in the boat, they go and they're, they're going to this place and they think they're going to arrive there on their own by themselves. And when they land, what they realize is people recognize they were leaving and they started traveling fast walking like my grandma used to probably, right? Or, or running and they would run and they were running and they were running and they went into the nearby towns and the nearby villages probably gathering more and more people and saying, Jesus is going over here. And there they are, waiting, just as Jesus pops up on shore with the boat. I don't know if you've ever had it where you were in a race with someone else and you wanted to like show them, I don't know, show them that you were better. And so you would run there and then you would just like be sitting there and you'd act like you're all super calm. And, and, and you're just waiting you know, trying to make it seem like you've probably been there for a while. I wonder how long the people were there waiting for Jesus to arrive. But it wasn't what Jesus expected. It wasn't surely what the disciples expected either. When, when the crowd got there, we were trying to be alone. Why, why, why were you here? We're trying to be alone with Jesus, not with 5,000 or more people. But Jesus has a different reaction Jesus' reaction is compassion. When he landed, he saw the large crowd and he had compassion because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without shepherds are, are wandering people. They're wandering around and, and waiting for someone to guide them to where they're supposed to be going. They're waiting for some direction, grasping on to perhaps any direction and anyone who's there. And Jesus notices this. Not only were perhaps they lost in direction and waiting for leadership, but in reality the people were lost spiritually. The people were needing some guidance and some teaching to, to know that they were going in the right direction, perhaps even to know which direction to go. Jesus saw that the, the shepherds that the people had, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, weren't the shepherds that they needed. And they needed different direction. And so, Jesus, being a good shepherd, has compassion. Instead of perhaps being frustrated by not having what He desired, which was to go to a quiet place with His twelve disciples, he shifted his focus on having compassion on the large crowd and beginning teaching them to show them, to give them guidance into the truth of God's kingdom, to show them where they were supposed to go and what they were supposed to focus on. But it seems like the disciples don't pick up this alternate course that Jesus is taking. And they come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, it's late. 
let's get these people out of here. They got to go eat. They're probably hungry. So just send them on their way. Give them the benediction and and push them out of the building, whatever you want to say. It's late and they need to get going. They, They didn't catch the change that Jesus had in His focus on compassion and shepherding people. But the beautiful thing is, even though they didn't catch Jesus' drift, Jesus guides them into it. He says, go go see what you have. See how many fish you have. Go and see. And so they, they find out and they come back and it ends up being five fish and two loaves. Apparently from a little boy that we, we find out in another one of the Gospels. Jesus would not go on seeing these people go hungry. Instead, He would want to feed them as well. Not only was God's kingdom the thing that Jesus had been preaching about, about spiritual uh, fulfillment, but it's also about fulfilling the physical needs of people. It's not just about this power to make whole, but it's this power to fill. It's an all-encompassing kingdom that cares about your whole body soul, and spirit. And so Jesus is going to give them and feed them with these five fish and these two loaves. Jesus' kingdom entirely concerned for the hunger and the well-being of the people, the 5,000 plus that had gathered. People waiting for some good news from Jesus and they would receive it. They would receive it not only with the teaching, but receive it by the filling. I think there's something else too going on here though. Though though the people are filled full, nourished spiritually and nourished physically, there's something else going on with the disciples, I think. Jesus said that these people didn't have a shepherd and they needed a shepherd, but in the process, Jesus starts creating, I'll call them under-shepherds. People underneath Jesus that are helping to care for those who are in need. And you see it with the disciples, with Jesus saying, how many loaves do you have? And pushing them out to find food for this group. Jesus having the disciples involved in His work of ministry, not only by sending them out two by two into the villages, but now sending them out to find food for these gathered people. He involves them. They seek out the bread. Jesus receives the bread and and He separates the people out into groups of fifties and hundreds, organizing them in, in smaller groups. And then He breaks the bread after giving thanks and, and it's put in baskets and He gives it to the disciples to bring to the groups. Causing the disciples to be shepherds perhaps of, of these smaller groups of fifties and hundreds. Making sure that they would see to it that those disciples would give them what they needed, the sustenance. Providing for that very need themselves. 
and then they would go on, and, and as they, they, would, they would eat that food, they would eat until they're filled, and, and then the disciples would come after, and they were the ones who were gathering in. They were, they were taking the excess, the leftovers, doing the dishes, so to speak, gathering it in, Jesus causing them to be a part of the miracle and a part of the work of ministry of filling his people And they get 12 baskets full at the end. Each disciple coming back with a full basket of food. Even though the disciples were probably tired and exhausted from all of the, the, the work of ministry, of anointing people, of, of casting out demons, of preaching the good news, of, of living that life, and they were anticipating walking in and having this rest, Jesus continued to give them responsibility, and they stepped up, fulfilling their duty to care for others, even though they may have been tired and exhausted, worn out themselves. Perhaps we saw it a little bit when they were like, where are we going to find food for all these people? but yet they had enough trust in Jesus to follow through in what Jesus wanted them to do with their life. We may wonder, that's great that we had 5,000 people and more, 5,000 men it says, and not even counting the women and children, that Jesus and his disciples fed these many people. What does it have to do with us? What does... Um, miraculous feeding of so many people with such a small thing have to say to us? One, I think it's that we're invited into that kingdom. We're invited into a kingdom where God cares about your spiritual life, but He also cares about your physical life and your needs. He cares about you being shepherded well, that you're led in the right direction. That you're following and pursuing Him in His kingdom. I think that's the first part. But the second part is to become more like the disciples who are those under-shepherds who are caring for people. And I think James makes that clear uh, in his book where it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food and one of you says to him, go, I wish you warmth but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? There's a, another step beyond just believing the truth and following Jesus. It's actually practicing the truth. I think sometimes in our life, we like to camp out in this teaching and learning area where we always think that we need to learn more. We always think we need to know more, where in reality, what we need to actually do is start practicing what we know. Start practicing and doing the things that we know. Start doing the things that Christ has told us to do. How many loaves and fish do you have? Well, go feed them. 
How is it that we, as people who have perhaps known the kingdom, know the glory of, of Jesus Christ and His salvation in our life, how is it that we actually are meeting the physical needs and care of those that we interact with? The simple things of small amounts of food that will go on to care for others? How is it that we are meeting the needs of others when we are exhausted ourselves and we say, I have nothing left to give, but Jesus says, no, you have something to give and you're gaining your strength by me and not of your own doing. Where is it that we live in this area of practicing what we know, caring for others, being formed as we love others. I'd love for us to think about that. What's one small way? What's one small way that we can begin forming practices in our life that do just that very thing. Each one of us not looking to only the leadership of this church, the elders and the deacons and the pastor for caring for one another, but how can we ourselves do one thing to care for our friends in this building or stuck at home, people that don't leave their poems in a while, can you give them a call? Can you reach out to them, ask them if they have everything that they need for their life? Can you, can you check in with them to see if they're being grown spiritually in this time? How is it that you can take that one small step to move beyond learning truth to get into practicing it? Let us pray. Lord, we, we see how the disciples were used by you to bring others on a journey perhaps, but to feed them, to care for them, to love them, to show them the compassion and the grace that's a hallmark of your kingdom. It's not just the the, the feeding and the things and all those miracles that, that we're perhaps called into to believe, but we're called to practice what You are showing us in them. A love and care for Your people. We've seen it week in and week out. As, as Jesus stops where He's going a couple weeks ago to go to care for a small girl and instead realizes that even though His plans are being thrown off, that there's a lady, a woman in front of Him that He needs to care for. That instead of being frustrated by this mass group of people that relentlessly followed him out into the countryside, that instead he changes his plan, he teaches them, but he also desires they know more and experience the fullness of life. And then he takes the disciples on that journey as well, putting them in places to fulfill those very needs. So we pray 
today that you would make us aware. Maybe it's making us aware of your gospel, but if we know your gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we pray that you'd push us into that other spot where you'd cause us to practice, to do what you've told us in Scripture. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Just as the the people on this uh, shore gathered and had a feast with Jesus, we too gather together for a feast as well. Jesus was pointing to something else that was going to be happening a little bit later when we think about it in those pieces of Scripture that we read earlier He raised the bread up to heaven and He gave thanks and He broke it. An act that He would mimic later with the disciples. Pointing to a kingdom banquet that was focused or spoken of in Isaiah chapter 55 where God's people will be fed. They will have no money for food or anything like that, but then God will feed them. And we receive that in this moment together. Once a month, we gather to remember, to believe what Jesus has done, but also what we're looking forward to, which is the gathering of all God's people in His kingdom together. A feast that I'm not sure we can imagine even how grand it will be. This time, I invite uh, you, if you have not received a communion pack, to raise your hand. Shelly's going to go around. And if you haven't gathered your things at home, I forgot to tell you to do that earlier. So we can, uh, you can play it by ear. Grab whatever you got in the kitchen. First thing that comes to mind. As Jesus invited those individuals to gather in their groups of 100s and 50s to be fed by the disciples, it's the church today that gathers all around the world. Some of them participating in communion, gathering in their group of 50s or 100s or maybe now it's 10s and 2s or even 1s at home. But as we we gather, we're not gathering alone. We're not just by ourselves in our home, if that's where you are. Because you're gathered with all of us who are here. You're gathered with the other folks who are at home watching the stream. You're gathered with those who will watch it later on this week or next week. Because it's not our proximity that unites us together. We believe that it's the Spirit of of God that unites us with Christ and therefore together as people, as His body. And Jesus invites all of those who believe in Him, who trust in Him as their only way to salvation, to come to the table, to join together in being filled. It was Jesus who came to this world that we would have lives that were filled to the brim. 
full lives of His joy, of His compassion, of His grace, of His mercy. And then being able to extend that out to others. And so here we, we take part in this where we are fed by Him spiritually and physically. Where He meets us wherever we are to sustain us for our continued walk with Him. It's a time to rejoice. It's a time to remember. And it's a time to look forward. So let us pray together as we join together in communion. Lord, we thank You for this time that we gather together. A small period of time within our week, and yet it has so much more significance in our life. We pray that these elements that we are holding in front of us or that we see on the table would become for us the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that through this act You would continue to unite us together until that one day when You gather Your whole church together for a feast that will be so wonderful. The feast of the Lamb in the new heaven and the new earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. At His last supper, Jesus took bread much like what He did at the countryside. And He broke it. He said, this is My body given for you. In the same manner, He he took the cup and after giving thanks, said, this is My blood that is shed for you. For whenever we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. So take the bread. The bread that we have broken is our sharing in the body of Christ. Take, eat. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. And we take the cup. Now I can see how hard they are to open. This cup for which we give thanks is our sharing in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take it, drink it, all of it. Remember and believe that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your kingdom. A kingdom that not only do we look forward to in the future, a kingdom that will include glorified bodies and, and us being in your presence and the world being renewed and restored and sin being no more and death being no more, but it's also a kingdom that's present today. And so we thank you for the kingdom that is present today. The kingdom that we see as we take part in this meal and are nourished by you. The kingdom that we see as we see people with needs who are hungry and thirsty be fed. A kingdom that we see when we see justice in our world come to fruition. So we pray that you would cause us to be a part of that kingdom. Use us just as you use the disciples to distribute your food. Cause us to be vessels of your grace. Cause us to be vessels of your justice in places of injustice. Cause us to put in practice what we believe. That we may truly live for you. Love our neighbors and lead people to Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.